Wow, you all sound great today. Glad that you're with us today. It is a good day to be together anytime we can worship, but it is so good to see all of you this morning. We are starting a new series today. We've been talking about the desert. We're finally out of the desert, but we are talking about becoming like Jesus, becoming comma like Jesus. We're going to use that word a lot of different ways over the next few weeks. And I, I want you to know this morning's lesson is a challenge. This is a challenge that we're dealing with today, and, and for, for some of us, maybe not for everybody, you may leave today and go, oh, it wasn't anything. But I decided to start with the challenge rather than just do the easy part, and, and somewhat this is more of a theory than it is something that I can just put completely in words today, but I think you'll get there with me. So I want you to know with any challenge, not, it's not that we've all arrived, that we've all achieved but that we're all working toward accepting and fulfilling the challenges that are put in front of us. So today we're looking at 1 John, that little book at the back of the Bible. If you have not read 1 John, you can go ahead and read it now. It'll take you maybe 10 minutes to read it the most. It's very short, just a few chapters. But in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, this is what the inspired writer says. Dear friends, let us love one another... For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If you are a person that does not love, you are not of God. Wow, it's pretty strong, isn't it? If you are going to be one that calls yourself a Christ follower, a God follower, you will be a person that loves. It comes right down to this. And I also want you to understand as we talk about this, to know the context of the passage in 1 John. That there was false teaching that was on the horizon. Praise God, I don't know of any problems or false teachings that we're trying to deal with here. So all that's, all that's good. But that's what's going on in John, and so in 1 John. And so he says, I want you to remember the importance of love as you go through these things. I want you to remember how important it is that you love each other and that you love God. And you remember how all these things are connected. And in a country sometimes that is divided, in families that are divided, and even in relationships that are divided, remember this about what God says about love and how important love is. That there is an expectation that we will be people that love. If you are a Christian, he is writing to Christians when, when this, was, this all came out. He says to us, there is this expectation that you will be a person of love. Unfortunately, there are people that call themselves Christians that all of us have probably known at some point in our lives that felt like that was about the last way to describe them. That they were not known as people of love. They were known of, of people that fought all the time. And that is not what Christ called us to. So often, whenever we talk to people that were Christians, that are no longer Christians, or at one point had a faith in Christ, no longer have a faith in Christ, there are all these different things they talk about, but often they talk about hypocrisy. Mike did a great job talking about this as a hospital because we all struggle with hypocrisy sometimes. But it also is about this idea of people being mean. And what God called us to is to a life of love that is the expectation that he has. And I want you to also know that this love is like God that he's talking about. 
The Bible uses, well, the New Testament is written in Greek originally. There are four different words in the New Testament that were used for, for love. Some of you know this, others of you, this will be new, that there were four different words that were used for love to describe it in different ways and different types of love. Greek itself used seven different words for love. They had a lot of different ways to describe it. In English, we've got one word for a whole lot of different things. But this word is known as agape love. This is God-like love. One of the other words that we often talk about that is love that you may know is phileo, like the city Philadelphia is to be the city of brotherly love. It's based on that Greek word phileo. Now, if you are from Philadelphia, I want you to know I'm apologizing right now. But there are things that have happened in Philadelphia that have not seemed like brotherly love. It was about 30 years ago, I guess, at a Philadelphia Eagles football game when Santa Claus came out and they booed him and, and threw snowballs at him. So that doesn't seem very loving, right? Not very much brotherly love there. But surely there is in other pockets, obviously, of Philadelphia. That is what some people have said phileo love is I like you. It means a brotherly love, like we've got things in common. You know, we may be from the same part of the country, and maybe we both like the same sports, and, and we get along, we like to eat Mexican food, you know, all those kind of things. We just got things in common, so we like each other, phileo love. But this is agape love. What some have said this, the best way to put this is more of a, you can count on me. This is like, I'm committed type love. That God is committed to us. It may be that he doesn't really like some things we do or how we do some things, but he is committed to us. And so whenever it talks about this love here, this is a committed love that God has. So he goes on, John does, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. And he said, this is how God showed this agape love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Some of you have a big word there, propitiation. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Do you see what he's saying here? He said, we need to be people that love. Not because we're not the ones that started this love thing. God started this. God is the one who committed first. God is the one who we could count on first. It is God, not us, it's him. And so do you know what he's saying here, partially what he's saying here, is that God loves hard-to-love people. I don't know if you know this, but there are some people that are harder to love in the world than others, right? You know what I'm talking about? If you don't know any hard-to-love people, you're it. You are the one. There are people that are hard to love, to get along with, right? You, have, you may have some in your family. You may have a boss like that, co-workers like it, a fellow students where you go to school, whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about. But God loves even hard-to-love people, including me. That's the thing. If you know me very long, you know I can be kind of annoying sometimes. 
there are times Barbara has heard enough from me, right? You know what I'm talking about. If you're married, you understand that. Or if you're in a family, you understand that. Or have a roommate. Yeah, sometimes all of us are there. You know what the Bible says in the book of Romans? It's not on your screen today. But it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It didn't say, after we got our act together, Christ died for us. It doesn't say, when we were less annoying, Christ died for us. It doesn't say, when I stopped sinning and doing things against God, Christ died for us. It says, when I was a mess, Christ died for me. When we were a mess, Christ died for us. That is incredible. That is love. That is agape love that we're talking about here. This is a God that cares, that we can count on, that wants us, even wants me, that wants to have a relationship. So if I have this agape love, if I have this love like God, well, I should never have ill will toward anyone. It should be that I always want something good for someone else. And this was, this was hard for me to understand, and still some days it's hard for me, obviously as well. But I don't want someone that is my enemy to die or to fry or whatever other rhyme we might come up with. I don't, I don't want that. I have a lot of problems. And if we were to go around the room, I would be really scared that you would tell me all of my problems and I'd leave really depressed. But one thing I think that over the years that I've done better at is agape love. Of wanting, not wanting ill will for someone. And one place I learned this, and I've shared this before, but it was actually from my mother-in-law. Back in 2002, 2003, sometime in there, whenever the United States was in chaos because of of uh, terrorism and how afraid we were and Osama bin Laden was running around the country running around the world and we were running around the world chasing him trying to get him and I remember my mother-in-law in the midst of all that talking to my wife Barbara on the phone said I just pray that somewhere in a cave he finds a bible and learns about the prince of peace and becomes a Christian let me tell you that is not the prayer I had for Osama bin Laden but I started to change in the way I started to think. Do you realize how much better the world would have been if that man would have become a follower of Jesus? Do you realize how much power he had and how much peace he could have brought in as a human to the world? And all at once, when we start thinking that way, it can change things. When I talk about loving people, I do not mean that people should not be punished. Absolutely, if we do wrong in a loving way, we still need to punish. My children, were, when they were younger, they, I love my children with all my heart. They did things wrong. There were days that they were sent to time out and days they got in trouble. So that absolutely, it, it means that. We still have times that we have to punish. But it doesn't mean that we have ill will towards someone. Now what I'm talking about, I know it's difficult. And I know this is a challenge because I will experience pain. Every one of us in this room have had people do things that have hurt us. Some of us have probably lost lots of money because of something someone has done to us. Some of us maybe have literally been beaten up because of something someone did to us. 
We have maybe been left by a spouse. We have been forgotten by a parent. All kinds of stories, I'm sure, are in this audience any Sunday that we come together. That there are terrible things that have happened. And that pain is there. And when I talk about this, the pain comes back, some of it. But let me tell you, when we have love like God has, things can start to change somewhat. It does not mean that we dismiss the crime that they did. It does not mean that we dismiss the pain that they've caused. But we also can change. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, <clears throat> the Bible says this, John said this, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. Now, I want you, as a Christian, I want you to stop and hear this. This is how we know we are following Jesus, okay? This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. This ought to be important to you. He has given us of his spirit, baptized into Christ, and receive forgiveness, but receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know, and listen to this, we know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. He's using this word agape again. And the way he uses that in this, this love you can count on. He says, this is what it means to be in Christ. So if I have the Spirit, I don't need to police. I don't need to hold grudges. I don't need to worry. I am relying on the love of God. I can let all of that go because I am relying on the love of God God will take care of it. If God will take care of it, I don't need to be in his ear telling him what to do. I don't need to say, Lord, I know what you said, but do you really know how bad this woman is? Do you know how bad that man is? Really, do you know? Let me tell you. God says, I've got it. I think I've already figured this out. Thank you very much, but I got it. I can let it go. I am depending on God for those things. I am depending on the love of God, on this agape love of God. He will handle it without my help. Oh, that's so difficult, isn't it? Because I want to be a part of everything. You know FOMO, fear of missing out? That's me right here. I want to be a part of it. I want to be right there with God telling him, okay, let's do this, let's do that. He goes, no thanks, David, really. I created you, and I know your brain, and it's not good enough for that. Just move on, please. I'll, I'll handle that. In 1 John 4, 17 through 19, he goes on. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. So the one, the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. Oh, this is a powerful passage, isn't it? Do you see what he's saying here? Worry and resentment are lighter when love replaces fear. 
there are things I worry about. Part of that is just because I'm human. I like the way the Paul, Paul the Apostle says, don't worry. And then he says, you know what drives me the craziest? Is the daily worry or concern for the churches. Yeah, it's just part of being human, right? We're going to deal with things sometimes. But if I don't have to think about how God will get you back, then I can let that go. I can let God deal with that. And I'm more worried about how I can transform my life through God and be like Him. It puts me in a much better place. You talk about taking pressure off, giving me a better heart, heart physically and spiritually. It can do all those things because I give it to God. It is yours to deal with, God. It is not mine. I am going to choose love. I become like Jesus because I start to look like His Father. And he said, well, how would you look like his father? You remember the passage we just read? God is love. If love is not important to me, I am missing something really big because I'm missing God. God is love. So I start to look like Jesus when I start loving people that seem unlovable. Unlovable. When I start loving myself in a way, in agape way, I start looking more like Christ. You know, and it's not on your screen, but John 13, 35 says, Love each other just as Christ loved us. That we have that kind of agape for each other. Now, I don't know about your religious experience. I don't know about your church experience. I don't know how you grew up. I'm only going to be able to tell you how I grew up, okay? I can tell you, and I grew up in, a, in small congregations and small churches of Christ and small towns in the Texas Panhandle and western Oklahoma, and, and, and that was my world for, for the first years of my life. We didn't talk a lot about love. We talked about a lot of other subjects, but we did not talk about love very much maybe we thought that was a a, a a feminine topic or something i don't know romantic topic i know what people used to say well if we talk about love more if we do that more then people aren't going to go to church anymore because all they're going to do is love and and so they're not going to do that and we won't have people at church and things and 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 everything will just just fall apart that doesn't make any sense, okay? doesn't make any sense. And maybe you come from that background. Maybe you're there right now. But let me tell you, love doesn't mean a free-for-all. That's not at all what it's about. Matter of fact, Jesus even said to his disciples back in the Gospel of John in, in 14.15, this says 4.14, I'm just checking up on you, okay? But it's actually John 14.15. says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. So, so no, love is still really important. And, and following Jesus is still really, still really important. But let me also say this. Some of you this morning probably are here out of duty. 
completely here. You are here because you have to be here because you are afraid lightning will strike if you're not here. And so I've got to be here. Some of you are here because if I'm not here, my relatives who are in the congregation will know I'm not here and they're going to text me in the middle of the service and say, where are you, right? And so some of you are that way. Some of you are even watching at home that way, probably eating waffles or whatever and that same thing. Now, some of you are really worshiping and some of you maybe just have it on in the background, whatever. That is a terrible way to live. That is a terrible way to live. I'm still glad you're here. I'm thrilled you're here. Keep coming, keep putting money in the, in the plate, okay? I'm still glad you're here. But when our love for God grows, where I want to be here, I want to be with other people. There is something incredible, like the singing we just did, where we come together and sing, and all of our voices come together, or you hear it online. There is something incredible about that. Not because it just sounds nice. I've been in congregations that don't sound, let's just say, they're not, they're not going to Nashville, okay? It's not like that. But you know what's incredible? Is it's all pointed toward God. That is what's incredible. When you get to be with people and, and, or, and, and worship together, wow. And you get to take the Lord's Supper together and you're going, wow, right now we are uniting our minds and our hearts together like this. That is incredible. And you start loving God deeper and deeper than you have in the past. And you start realizing this is not because I have to. I'm just so thrilled I get to. It is changes everything your life will be so much better when you go from i gotta to i get to everything changes and let me tell you if i knew how to share this if i had the right words or the right method or whatever to share it believe me i would because i hurt for those of you who don't get it i'm going to preach here in a minute i hurt because your lives must be so difficult because Saturday night is so hard, Sunday morning is so hard to have to go through all this again. And I've got to get dressed again and I've got to be there, I've got to turn on, I've got to watch, whatever it is. But when you love God and you say, God, how can I know you more than I've known you in the past? How can I share you more than the people that are going to be there at Memorial or the people in my family I watch with or whatever? How can I do that? How can I do that? It becomes a thirst rather than something that is repulsive. It changes everything. And you talk about the joy it brings and the happiness you'll have and the way your countenance will change and the way people on the street will see you and the way people at work will see you. They'll understand. There is something different. They don't know why maybe, but, but they'll ask, why are you different? Because I love God. I know this sounds weird, but I love God. I really do. You see, when we love God, we will keep his commandments. But it's not all going to be because thou shalt and thou shalt not, but it's because I love and I want to be with you. Living with the love of God gives an incredible, humble confidence. Not that it's us, but a confidence that God is leading us. A confidence that we are with God. I have a question for you today. I have a little bit more to go, so don't get too ready to yet, all right? Three or four more minutes. 
But how am I doing with this challenge? How am I doing with this challenge of loving people with agape love? I want to share a thing that I read. Spiritual muscle isn't learned among friends that we have chosen. God's kind of love is best learned when we can't be selective about our associates. Perhaps this is why the two institutions established by God, those two institutions are the church and the family, are not joined by invitation only. We have no choice who our parents or brothers or sisters will be, yet we are expected to love them. Neither can we choose who or who will not be in the family of God. Anyone who confesses Jesus as Lord must be welcomed. We learn agape love more effectively in our involuntary associations away from the temptation of choosing to love only the attractive. You see, in the church, we are called to love each other, those attractive and those unattractive. They are part of our family with agape love. But this is a progress. This does not just, there's no switch to turn on. There's no way to do that and say all at once, okay, now it's easy. No, there's no, it's a process. Back when I was in, oh, probably ninth grade or so, and I played football, a little town I lived in, uh, Canadian, Texas, they've won lots of state championships. When I was in school, we never even had a winning season, so that will tell you. But my, I was, I was not surprising. I was a lineman, an offensive lineman, and I played left guard, and my good friend was right guard. He was the deodorant, and I was the left guard. And our, our coach wanted us to bench press 150 pounds, which today I can bench press a sandwich, but that's about it. <laughs> and so... On Fridays in off-season from football, every Friday we would go in and we would have the competition to see how much you could do. You were competing against yourself. And my friend and I would go. We were probably bench pressing 120 pounds at the time. And we would go, and sure enough, we both got 150 pounds up. And it was great, and we were so excited. And, you know, we have accomplished. And the coach said, great, I want you all to bench press 250 pounds. I want you to add 100 pounds to this. Well, that was totally ludicrous, crazy, right? But my friend, this was back in the 80s, mid-80s, and he, this was back when shirts were popular that you could buy the little fuzzy letters for. Do you remember those? And, and so he bought us both shirts and it said 250 or bust. And so we wore those shirts and everybody thought it was about my weight, not about, you know, how much I could bench press. And that was the dumbest thing I could have imagined to go from 150 pounds to 250 pounds bench pressing but sure enough, we would go and we'd compete every week. And sometimes, you know, it'd be 155 this week, 170 next week. And then I'd get stuck for three or four weeks and still stay at 170. Wasn't able to go, just wasn't able to push up anymore. And then all at once, there I'd go. And I would jump up all at once and I'd go from 170 to 190 in one week. How did that happen when I was stuck for three weeks? We got to 250 and we got to 300. I tell you, this is all crazy to believe for me. I'm, like I say, I'm back down to sandwiches. But, but 300. But all the way back there when I was bench pressing like 120 pounds, 150 pounds was crazy. 
At 150 pounds, 250 pounds was flat out of their minds. And then we just kept going. That's like love and so many other things. Where you're at right now, you may think, David, that is the dumbest sermon I have ever heard. There is no way I can do that. You can do that if you are in Christ. It is one step at a time. One step at a time. And sometimes on your steps you'll get stuck. But keep going. Keep your eye on the goal. Just as in our goal is Jesus, just as Jesus talked about, just as the Hebrew writer talked about in Hebrews, we keep our eye on the goal and we will get there. Don't give up. We are becoming like Christ. This morning, if you need prayers, you can come down here. We'll all pray for you on this journey to become better than what we are right now. Or you can write to us at elders at mcoc.org. Or you can be baptized into Jesus. Another person was baptized Wednesday. You can be baptized into Christ. And now have Christ in your life. Receive forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be a part of his kingdom. And have that help to go through this life together. Come this morning as we stand and sing.